Welcome to our Sunday Bhagavatam class. It is um, April 19th, 2020. So, Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. Today we begin the Bhagavatam and first canto, chapter six, text seventeen. So Premati Varanir Vinna. Pulakango Tinebrita Ananda Samplave Lino Napasham Ubayamune. So, uh, we are here, uh, learning about, or Narda's describing his devotional ecstasies. Uh, Narda saw Krishna. Lord appeared to him. And so, he says, Premati Bhara Nirvinda Pulakango. So that first he's talking about his body. Anga here means his body. It's the end of this, uh, the first line and a half. It's just a long Sanskrit compound. So Anga, his body, uh, was filled with um, this, this, well, Ativaro means like exceedingly, or Ativara means his very, very heavy or powerful love. He's, in other words, to put it simply, Anarda is overwhelmed with love upon seeing Krishna, because actually we're all part of Krishna, and we don't really understand ourselves until we see Krishna. We don't really love ourselves. We don't really appreciate ourselves until we see Krishna, because it's only because we're part of him. It's only on seeing Krishna that we really see ourselves, understand ourselves, and then we realize that everything else we thought in terms of some national or identity or gender identity, age, race, a, a particular lineage, family lineage, that everything that we've taken for our whole life as our identity is just very far from our eternal identity where we are these pure souls, part of Krishna and Krishna is the ocean of bliss. And so it's a, uh, it's, it's hard to beat. It's, it's, a, it's an extremely powerful experience. We can imagine that. And so pulaka, by the way, in Sanskrit means sort of hair standing on end. This word pulaka is also used, of course, in a famous song by Narottam Das Thakur, Goranga Bolite Have Pulaka Shari, that my whole body will be thrilled with ecstasy when I chant the name Goranga. So here's this. So these symptoms uh, that are described in the Bhagavatam of seeing Krishna are the same symptoms that we find in 
Lord Chaitanya's teachings and, and those of his intimate followers. It's the same spiritual experience, same spiritual ecstasy. So prema ativhara nirvina purvakanga. So his whole body was was just exceedingly um, overwhelmed, hair standing on end. And nirvina, which means like all the different parts of his body, was just this complete, total experience. You could say, well, he experienced it in his soul, but the soul is so powerful. We don't realize our own souls now. We don't realize how powerful our souls are. But when Narda, when Narda, Narda himself, the soul, was just completely merged into ecstasy, it, it just it affected his whole body. It shook up his body, too. So, Premati Bhara Nirvinda Pulakangoati Nirvata. And he said, I was exceedingly uh, ecstatic. So, he, he twice in this one sentence uses the prefix ati, which means exceedingly or beyond, just beyond what was before. So, just this exceeding ecstasy and, and the exceeding power of the love. So this language, of course, is ecstatic language. Narda's talking about this much later. Narda's explaining all this to Vyasa. In fact, this is another birth. And yet Narda's trying to convey through language to Vyasa how intense his ecstasy was when he saw Krishna. So he's using all these words. Uh, so Ananda Samplave Lino, and I was merged into, or just uh, not in the sense of impersonal merging, because you'll see he's still there as an individual soul, but in the sense of Lina is a way of saying just absorbed in, immersed in, not literally impersonal merging. So I was immersed in Ananda Samplave, how it translates an ocean of bliss or ecstasy. Uh, plava, some plava, I'll explain it because it's it's actually an interesting word. Uh, the word plava <clears throat> itself uh, can mean uh, like currents, currents of water, a flooding, it can mean a flood, like when a river swells when there's a flood. And so some, like sankirta means together, so it's, just all these, all, all, all this whole flood of ecstasy, everything coming together in this almost just inconceivably intense happiness. So that's Samplava. So, so Narada said, I was immersed in this just this ocean, this flooding, complete flooding of ecstasy. And, and I was just immersed in that. So, uh, Ananda Samplave Lino Napasham. I didn't see Ubayam both. Literally, I didn't see both, meaning the Lord Himself, Mune, O Sage Vyasa. So, this is, as we'll see later, because later Krishna is going to, when Krishna is going to describe Narada's spiritual level of advancement as still Avipakwa it's still not completely mature. And so Nard is just overwhelmed by this ecstasy of seeing Krishna. And he sort of loses his sense of himself and Krishna. Napasham Ubayam, I didn't see both. Muneo Sage. So what happens next? 
Rupam, this is verse 18, Rupam Bhagavato Jatan Manakandam Suchapaham. Uh, apasyam sahasota stay by klavya durmanayiva. So, uh, then not seeing the Lord's form. So he he's, he sees Krishna and uh, just for one moment, or he's, he, he sees Krishna, he's completely in ecstasy. And it's described in two verses. And then, now, apashan, not seeing, not seeing rupam bhagavato, the Lord's form, yatan, that very form which he's just described, not seeing that very form of the Lord, manakantam, that form which is beloved by the mind, desired by the mind. In other words, every beautiful thing, every beautiful person, every everything the mind desires to see, ultimately when you see Krishna, you realize that all beauty comes from this form, that this form is so beautiful that it's the supreme source and perfection of beauty. So, kantam, this form is what the mind desires. And shuchapaham, shucha means uh, lamentation or unhappiness, and apaham, it literally drives away. It drives this, the mind desires this form which drives away all lamentation, all unhappiness. So not seeing that form, sahasa, suddenly, all of a sudden, I didn't see that form, utaste, I stood up, because Nard is shocked. He's, he's in this almost indescribable ecstasy, although he describes it, and then suddenly he can't see it. He's not seeing it anymore. So he stands up, Vaiklavyat, and, and it's just, Vaiklavyat means, to use the English expression, it kind of knocked the wind out of him. He just, he's completely, he couldn't see it. And it's just, he immediately just, uh, I'll tell you exactly what Vaiklavya means, actually. It's interesting, I, I think, anyway, to see exactly what these words mean. Narda says that out of, because of Vaiklavya, uh, which means frailty, mental weakness. In other words, it's just, it just completely, uh, he lost all of his mental energy because he couldn't see it. And he was, and so Durmanaiva, uh, Durmana means I, I had like having a, a difficult, a bad mind. It means he was just depressed. He was suddenly depressed as if he lost all his energy, everything because because so you have these extremes of emotion. He sees Krishna's form and he's just overwhelmed with ecstasy. He describes himself as just being immersed in, in, in this, this flooding, not just an ocean, but this flooding of ecstasy. And uh, it's affecting all parts of his body. And, and then suddenly it's gone. Suddenly he's not seeing it. And he just, well, to use the uh, slang, crashes he just suddenly he's so uh, he loses all his energy he's he's just, he's unhappy durmana and uh so then what happens he says i wanted to see that form again 
Dijikshu. Narada, he wants to see it again. And so he's going to try. It's like, I've got to see that again. So he goes back to his meditation. Remember, he was meditating. He was meditating and then he saw Krishna's form. So he's, I have to see that again. So he just goes right back to his meditation. So fixing my mind in the heart, which is, of course, his yoga meditation. And even though I was looking in my heart, I was looking for Krishna, I didn't see him. I was looking for him, but didn't see him. I was really just, I was un, unsatisfied. I was, and Atura disturbed. I was disturbed. I, I didn't, my, I just wasn't satisfied. I didn't see that enough. He, nothing else can satisfy him. It's a very powerful state of spiritual emotions. And they, that evam yatantam bijane. So when I was thus endeavoring, trying, striving, thus striving in vijana, in that wilderness, uh, jana, of course, means people, and vijana means people. So a place where there's just a wilderness, a place where no one lives. He was Here he is all alone, this, this young boy, all alone in this wilderness. No one else, there's no other human beings there. And it's even a dangerous forest, actually because Narda traveled all over the world and where he finally stopped when he became exhausted turned out to be probably the most dangerous place he'd been to. But of course, that doesn't matter to him because he's completely absorbed in Krishna. So thus striving, trying to trying to see Krishna again, Vijane in that wilderness. As I was doing that, Mamaha, Agocharo Giram, a voice, that I couldn't see. <coughs> you, I don't know, you may find this word interesting. Sanskrit, gochara, means like within your range of perception because go means the senses and chara means moving. So it's sort of like the range within which your senses can function. In other words, the things that are perceptible to your senses are called gochara. And here, Narda says that... Uh, <clears throat> that that a person who's Krishna, of course, who was beyond the literally beyond the range of my senses, imperceptible. I couldn't see him, but I heard him, and so he spoke to me these words with Gambhira Slakshnaya Vacha, with a voice, Vacha, with a voice which was very deep. It was Many times Krishna's voice is described as very deep. It's not like an ordinary voice. It's um, And slakshniya uh, is an interesting word also. So, uh, it means... Uh, I'll hear it very quickly for you. Uh, gentle, gentle, tender. So Krishna is not just, he's not just playing games with Narda. It's not, but he, 
he's going to explain, Krishna's going to explain why this just happened to Narada, why Krishna appeared and then disappeared. He's going to explain it, and he understands how Narada is suffering by this separation. And so, therefore, he speaks to him in this very deep, profound, but tender, gentle voice. Shuchat Prashamayaniva, and Narada says he was actually pacifying my grief. So Krishna, he wants to pacify Arjun. He wants to encourage him. He understands how he's suffering. So in the tender, gentle voice, he now speaks to him, although Narada can't see him. And this is what Krishna says. Very interesting. The first word he says is hanta, which is you also you also find in the Bhagavad Gita if you're a Gita scholar. Hanta is a very interesting word. Uh, hanta is an exclamation. It's just a word of exclamation, and it means sort of like uh, expressing sympathy, empathy, uh, like. Come on, Narda. I mean, that's what it actually says in the dictionary. Come on. So it's like, let's say someone's suffering, and then you say to that person, like, come on, Joe, it's, you know, don't don't feel bad. So that's really what Krishna's saying, Hanta. Hey, Narda, come on, it's going to be okay. So that's actually what the first thing he says. I mean, there's a real language. These are real people. So Hanta Asmin Janmani, in this birth, Asmin Janmani, in this birth, birth, Bhavan, you. And it's interesting because here Krishna is addressing Arjuna sort of in this respectful form of you. And so it's amazing because Narda's just, he's, he's young and he's not yet spiritually perfect. And he's just trying to see Krishna and Krishna's showing him empathy and respect. And, and that's all there in the Sanskrit, actually. If you look very close at the Sanskrit, that's all there. Empathy, respect consideration. Hantasmin Janzu, he's not he's not playing with Narda. Hantasmin Janmani Bhavan Namam Jastumi Harhati. He said uh, in this birth you uh, it doesn't sound so great in English, but it's something like you you don't deserve uh, to see me. But it it, it it doesn't sound like in English. Like, you don't deserve that. In English, if you tell someone you don't deserve that, it's sort of a, an insult. Or, But it's, in Sanskrit, it's not like that. It's more like, that in this life, you're just not ready to see me. You're not ready yet to see me. You're not prepared. Uh, you're, I mean, don't, don't give up, Narada. You're just not quite there yet. So avipakwa kashaya nam durdarshohanku yogi nam. So I am difficult to see, or it's uh, hard. To, it's hard. In other words, you can't really see me, or it's hard for kuyogis. Kuyogi ku before any word in Sanskrit means kind of like not so great. So kuyogi is a yogi who is just not there yet. Who's who's not perfected yet in yoga. Ku yogi. Uh, so ku in the dictionary says it's a prefix implying uh, deficiency, like it's it's not sufficient yet. 
it's not sufficient, it's deficient. Something is wanting. Uh, it's just not there yet. So that's the word Krishna says. He says that for kuyogis, he says in the plural, so it's not just pointing at Narada, that in general for uh, kuyogis who, whose impurities are not yet completely burned up, they're not yet completely done away with. So, so if we think back to Narda, think back when he was with these great sages, he was an ideal boy, he was self-controlled, he never spoke when he unnecessarily, he was devoted. So he was absolutely advanced. There's no question that Narda is, is a very advanced devotee, and that's why he saw Krishna. If he wasn't an advanced devotee, how could he possibly see Krishna? But he's not quite there yet. He still wanted to go and see the world. He still had that. Of course, he was young. He had a certain enthusiasm to see the world. And he wants to see Krishna. So it's interesting here. His whole meditation is, I want to see Krishna. I want to see Krishna. I want to find Krishna. He's not so much focused on what is my service going to be. How am I going to? So his meditation is not, how am I going to serve Krishna? It's, he wants to find Krishna. Of course, with love, he loves Krishna. If you you can miss somebody very deeply and you want to see them and, and you love them. So there's no question, Nara is an advanced devotee. He has love for Krishna. Not quite there though. His impurities are not quite finished, burned up. <laughs> literally digested of Yipakwa. And um, and Krishna says, so it's it's hard for kuyogis. Yogis are not completely perfect. It's hard for them to see me. So unfortunately, uh, you won't see me again in this life. So then what happens? Um, then, Sakrija darsitang rupam etat kamaya tenaga. So Narada might think, well, why did you show yourself to me at all? And Krishna explains it. He says, Sakrit, once, just once, uh, this form, literally, this form was shown to you. Sanskrit literally says, uh, literally once, this form was shown to you because uh, to increase your desire, kamaya literally for your desire, for the purpose of, of of creating that desire in you. So when you want something badly, it's even said, you, you don't really appreciate something until you lose it. And so the fact that Krishna showed himself to Narada clearly indicates that Narada is a very advanced devotee. And yet then Krishna withdrew that vision because having seen it, Narada now can't, can't think of anything else. And this very intense desire, as Krishna is going to say, it, it, it's going to burn up his impurity. So etat kamaya So that form that I showed to you, it was to increase, intensify your desire. And he says, anaga. Krishna here addresses Narada as anaga, sinless one. So he's saying, I know you're not a sinful person. There, there's no, you have no sins, you have no offenses. So we're not talking about anything like a gross impurity or some serious karma. It's, it's not that. He addresses him as anaga. And he says, 
because mat kama, the desire for me. And also you should note here, the word kama is often used to mean a material desire, but really it just means desire. It really just means desire, although it's often used to indicate a material desire, but it may be a pure spiritual desire, as in this case, mat kama. Desire for me, sadhu, uh, a, a devotee, a sadhu, a de- well, actually that's, anyway, uh, it also means, uh, the word sadhu here also means, um, uh, Anyway, it can mean a devotee, or here it can be used as a type of adverb, meaning like um, uh, sadhu, like like a uh, like directly. So, um, so that uh, a one who desires me, shanakai. That's uh, interesting. Shanai means gradually, slowly, and shanakai kind of is a diminutive form. It's like it means sort of like very slowly, gradually. That that one who desires me slowly but surely. So shanakai sadhu actually, believe it or not, in Sanskrit means something like slowly but surely. So matkamak shanakai sadhu sarvan munchati hrichayan. So one who desires me slowly but surely, munchati gives up gives up because this is munchati, the same uh, root from which you get the word moksha or mukti, which literally means giving up the material world, release from the material world, which is to be liberated uh, from something. But here it's here in a sense, one liberates oneself by giving up. So Sarvan, one gives up Hrichayan, all the desires are lying there in the heart. Hrichaya. Uh, so it's interesting because by saying Hrichayan, that giving up the desires in the heart, in other words, not just superficial desires, not like, hey, I'd love to have some vanilla ice cream right now. You know, the senses, of course, have their preferences. And so Narda didn't really have that problem. Narda, uh, his senses were not being pulled to different sense objects, but rather something very deep. There can be something in the heart where you just sort of want to be happy in this world or you just want to be happy in any world. You just sort of want your own peace and happiness. So Krishna says that Krishna, this invisible voice of Krishna says that if one who desires me slowly but surely, Shanakai Sadhu, gives up all the desires that are actually in the heart, not just the senses, but in the heart. So this is a very profound purification. Uh, so, uh, oh, so there's a story from France. Uh, not a story, a question, sorry. Question from France. Let me just so I'll get to that. So I'll read one more verse, which is 23. So we did several verses. So Satsevaya, 
which means by service to the absolute. Prabhupada translates by service, translates it by service of the absolute truth. Sat, it's by service, by sat seva, service to sat. And of course, sat means uh, pure existence, as in sat chidananda. And so here Prabhupada takes sat to mean the absolute truth. It can also mean uh, devotees of the absolute, as in satsanga. So in other words, by spiritual service to the absolute truth and all that is directly favorably connected to the absolute truth. So satsevaya adirgaya api. It's interesting because uh, dirga means long, like it can mean like, like a long time. And so here Krishna says, by spiritual service, and and it doesn't take that long, adirgaya, even for a, I mean, it sounds much better in Sanskrit, but even for not long, or even for not a long time. Sanskrit, as I said, it sounds much more elegant. So satsevaya, adirgaya, so by service, which not for too long to the absolute, Jata Maidridhamati. So a firm, a firm consciousness, fixed consciousness in me is born, literally is born, Jata. A fixed consciousness in me is born by service to the absolute and, and even not for so long. In other words, it can happen. So he's telling Narada, this is not going to take forever. So he twa giving up at that point when, when one really has this fixed consciousness in the absolute, then giving up avadyam imang lokam, this world which is avadyam. This is a very interesting word, avadyam. Vad, of course, means to speak, like vadati, he or she speaks. So avadyam literally means uh, unspeakable, unspeakable, uh, giving up this unspeakable world. And so... In Sanskrit, that means like deplorable, as we would say, like it's yuck. It's kind of like a way of saying, you know, like uh, this unspeakable world. And so then, Ganta, you will go. So, so here, Krishna is telling Narda what his future will be, that giving up this unspeakable world or this not very great world, Ganta Asi, anyway, it's paraphrastic future case in Sanskrit for grammar lovers. That means you will go madjanatam to the status, to the position of being my person, literally. Jana means like a person or people. Uh, and mat, madjana, my people. And so you will achieve, you will go, literally you will go to that position of being one of my people. That's literally what the verse says in Sanskrit. Ganta Madjanatam Asi, which Prabhupada translates, uh, uh, he goes on to become my associate. And here the verb is actually in the second person, you. Ganta Asi, you will go literally to the status of being one of my people. In other words, my associate. So that's this verse. Uh, so this is, I find this very thrilling, very interesting, Narada describing what Krishna said to him. 
it's funny because we tell stories like, yeah, once Prabhupada told me or once Prabhupada said to me. And so this is not a Prabhupada story. It's a Krishna story where Narada is saying, yeah, I was with Krishna. And then he said to me and then I said, and so it's, it's like a Prabhupada story, but it's a Krishna story because this is Narada Muni. So uh, there are some questions and uh, see if I can read them. So, uh, Bhakti Pushpa from France, merci beaucoup. <laughs> Should this story inspire us? Absolutely, it certainly inspires me. Yes, Narda, is this the mean of the story? Yes, that's why Narda is telling Vyasa. He's certainly not telling Vyasa the story to depress him. He's telling him like, this is what happened to me. This is my experience. And, you know, this will happen to you also. Because throughout this story, Narada keeps addressing Vyasa as oh sage, oh saintly person. And so absolutely encouraging him. Prabhupada once told me a story. I mean, he's, he's about, you know, his Krishna consciousness when he was young and so on. So um, maybe I'll tell another time. I have actually told the story before. So uh, Janava, Devi Dasi. We are chanting Hare Krishna, but we are so afraid to see Krishna. True. Please, how can we avoid fear? Well, we're afraid to see Krishna because to use the modern term, it's decentering. In other words, now I make this distinction between um, philosophical atheism and uh, psychological atheism. I mean, certainly we are all philosophical theists, but psychologically we are attached to being the center, at least of our own lives. Even if we're not, we don't want to be the center of everyone else's life, which is called narcissism. But at least uh, we are very used to, accustomed to being the center of our own lives. And uh, so the idea of someone else being totally the center of our life and, and, and Krishna being very intense. And of course, in the presence of Krishna, all of our impurities, even ones that we don't like to think about, sort of manifest and so yes it, it can be we are kind of of course then again even krishna told narda uh Sadhu, slow and steady slow and sure despacio uh, y siempre as they say in spanish so so the idea here is that um There are even, you know, if you're very sincere, um, we have to take things gradually with our own nervous system and with our own psychology because to suddenly experience something which is just so radically different, it, it, it's um, even Arjuna, who's an associate of Krishna. Arjuna is an associate of Krishna. He's... Uh, you know, he's Arjuna. And yet when he saw this universal form, he said uh, he was completely bewildered. He, he was kind of almost going out of his mind. He said, Dishona Jane, which means literally, I don't know the directions. Like if you think about it, we know up and down and left and right. And so to say, I don't know the directions means literally you're completely disoriented. We say it in English, disoriented, uh, desorientado. Um, because to, to orient, of course, means to look east because the first, in the morning, the first thing that happens during the day that tells you what, what the directions are as the sun rises. And so you can 
orient yourself because the sun rises in the east. So when Arjun says, so disoriented means you literally, you're just, you don't know what's up, what's down. And so therefore, for for our own mental stability, Krishna gradually reveals himself to us. So, uh, yes, uh, can we have a class on fear? Yeah, not a bad idea. So Nandalila, I hope is listening. <laughs> she's always listening. Even when I'm not listening, she's listening. And so, uh, yeah, we can do a class on fear. So another question. Um, so uh, thank you for the classes. Oh, these videos allow me a person who has only recently found Krishna access to Transcendental Explanations of Shastra. I'm very happy I can do that. Uh, so thank you for your kind words. My question is, how can I show Krishna that I really want to rid myself of material desires when on the surface I know my motivation in serving Krishna is for some material benefit? Well, to quote an old saying, action speaks louder than words. And so if we really want to purify ourselves or rid ourselves of material desires, then we take very seriously what the doctor orders. It, let's say, for example, I have a disease and I really want to get free of that disease. Well, if the doctor says, don't eat this food, take this medicine, get exercise or don't get exercise. I mean, whatever the doctor says, if I really want to be free of the disease, I follow the doctor's orders. So a uh, serious practice of Krishna consciousness definitely is a sign that someone means business, that someone really wants to be purified. So another question. What will a better wear most? Uh, by the way, if, if uh, English is not your First language, at least you can write in Spanish or Portuguese or Italian or German, sort of French, Sanskrit. So a better way or, or most effective process, trying to think on wanting Krishna's or only desire love for him. Um, when you love someone, just like a mother loves her child. So when you love someone, uh, you always want to serve them, right? I mean, the mother's always taking care of the child. And so if we are always thinking of how to serve Krishna, then uh, that's the most effective way because it's like we're practicing love of Krishna because if you did love Krishna, if we did love Krishna, we would always be thinking of how to serve him. And so uh, sort of sadhana love, it, so... And so the way we do this practically is that Krishna sends his pure devotee, Prabhupada, in, in, in our case, in our historical moment. And um, Krishna sends someone who does love who does love him. Prabhupada actually does love Krishna. Prabhupada was not practicing sadhana bhakti. He really loves Krishna. And so Prabhupada taught us, this is how you can serve Krishna, your own spiritual practice, and also in terms of spreading the Sankirtan movement. And so in my relationship with Prabhupada, the way he trained me and preached to me, uh, I'm always trying to focus on how do we spread this movement. Of course, I have to uh, do my own practice. I have to practice Krishna consciousness seriously. 
But at the same time, apart from that, uh, just always thinking about how to spread Prabhupada's mission. And uh, that's the way we practice loving Krishna. So, uh, one more, last question. Oh, maybe my, why, may, why does Narada Muni not stay in the spiritual world as a personality? As far as I know, when we go back to Godhead, we stay there. Narada comes to the material world. Well, uh, devotees don't really make that distinction. If you love Krishna, then every place is the spiritual world. Prabhupada quoted that verse to me from the Bhagavatam, Narayana Padaksarve, Nakutas Chana Bibhyati. Let's see if I can give you the exact verse number. Uh, it's 6.17.28 in the Bhagavatam, 6.17.28. Uh, and the verse is, Narayana Paraksarve, all of, everyone, every person who's really dedicated to Narayan, uh, Narayana Paraksarve, Nakutas Janavibhyati, they're not afraid of anything. They're not afraid of anything. Swargapa Varga Narakeshu, whether in Swarga, heaven, material heaven, Apavarga, liberated, spiritual sky, or Narakeshu in hell. Apituliyartha Darshana, they actually see all these things as equal. So, as we know, there are other religions where they're obsessed with salvation, especially because uh, their priests taught them this terrible theology that in this one life, you either go to heaven forever or go to hell forever. I mean, really amazingly bad theology. But so you have this, um, this neurosis in Western culture and that's, that, that uh, am I saved? Am I saved? Because I'm not, you know, the consequences of it. Devotees don't think that way. Uh, devotees want to serve Krishna. So why is Narada Muni in this world? Because he has wonderful service to do. And Narada Muni may appear to us to be in this world, but actually he is in the spiritual world. He is with Krishna. Uh, it, it's just like, for example, a priest, and this is actually in the real world, priests go to the prison and they speak to the prisoners uh, of their faith. Even devotees do that sometimes. So uh, that doesn't mean, as Prabhupada said, the priest is a prisoner. The priest is a free citizen inside the prison or outside the prison. He's never a prisoner. So Nardamuni is in the spiritual world uh, because this world is just the prison of the material world. And so he's, you know, he's mercifully serving Krishna in this way. And therefore he experiences his own life as being a completely liberated soul with Krishna. So that is the answer to that question. So thank you all very much. Uh, and let's see, make sure I, oh, there's other questions here on, or is that from yesterday? Uh, yeah, that's from a class I gave yesterday. In Spanish to Santiago Chile. Okay, so uh, thank you all very much for listening and uh, hope we'll all be together again next Sunday. Krishna.